My opening text is going to be in Luke chapter number 19, uh, and we're going to go through a couple scriptures here. Uh, but you can follow me here uh, as I have a few things on the screen that you will uh, dive into. But this is the story of uh, Zacchaeus, or Zacchaeus, as some uh, call his name. But during Jesus' ministry on earth, crowds often followed him for several reasons. Some people had heard of his miracles and teachings and wanted to see his wonders for themselves, but some wanted to know Jesus, and that should be our desire. We should just want to know Jesus. One day as Jesus passed through a town called Jericho, Zacchaeus overheard people talking about Jesus' arrival. Zacchaeus was a tax collector and no doubt had a poor reputation since his profession was intensely despised due to his long history of corruption and collusion with the hated Roman oppressors. He joined the mob and wanted to see for himself, but he couldn't see over the heads of the excited crowd around him. So Zacchaeus looked to the side of the road and noticed a sycamore tree. And if I can climb that tree, he thought, I know I'll be able to see Jesus. He quickly scampered about halfway up the tree and settled in, waiting for the crowd to come closer. Slowly, the crowd approached, and he spotted a plain-looking man at the center, gently waving his arms as if he were teaching as he walked. The closer they came, the more Zacchaeus could hear the man's voice. As Zacchaeus listened, he was drawn into Jesus' teachings. In fact, he listened so intensely that he did not realize that Jesus had stopped right beneath the branch where he was sitting. But when Jesus lifted his eyes and looked up at Zacchaeus, the tax collector felt a strange sensation come over him. He had, felt, he had never felt nervousness like this before. He was used to being in control and telling others what to do. But just one look from this man melted him. Has anyone ever felt one touch from Jesus and it melted your heart? Zacchaeus, Jesus said, please come down from the tree. I would like to go to your house today. It was almost like a dream. Zacchaeus, somewhat in a daze, began crawling out of the tree. The stunned crowd mumbled about what was happening. As Zacchaeus swung to the ground, he found himself standing right next to Jesus. Jesus being uh, near, just, excuse me, just being near the Lord did something to him. Without being prompted to do so, this corrupt tax collector began confessing his faults and committing to do right from that point. That's why we need the presence of an almighty God in this house. It's one thing just to come together, but when we have the presence of an almighty God, people will confess their faults unto the Lord. The Bible says in Luke 19, starting at verse number 8, it says, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false uh, accusation, I restore him fourfold. As he also is, or excuse me, fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house. For so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus turned to the crowd knowing they were repulsed that he agreed to dine with this shady character. Jesus lifted his voice for all of them to hear. Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. How many of you are thankful that the Lord looked beyond your faults and he saw your need? Mm -hmm. Zacchaeus came with a purpose, 
He came with a purpose to see Jesus. Obviously, something in his life was missing. And when he had heard about Jesus, something compelled him to seek the Lord. No matter the obstacles, people passionate to know Jesus push past the obstacles. And Jesus honors their desires. In this case, Jesus called Zacchaeus by name. Moreover, he stopped everything to go to Zacchaeus' house and spend time with him. Scripture shows us that Jesus responds when people seek him. Blind Bartimaeus shouted loudly and created a commotion to get Jesus' attention. Friends of a paralyzed man tore off the roof to lower their friend down just to get closer to Jesus. A woman with a disease pressed through the crowd to touch the hem of Jesus' robe. In every instance, Jesus met the desperate person. Although our measures may not be as drastic as these examples, cultivating our desire to draw closer to Jesus leads to a more intimate connection to him. So let's talk about that today. Let's talk about our connection to God. You're going to see throughout this lesson today that I'm going to pose different questions for you to consider. In your lesson, in your handout, or on your PDF file that you have there on your device, you will see different questions for you to consider. We're not going to go over those questions. Those are questions for you just to consider throughout this week. Because my hope is, is that you don't walk out of here leaving this lesson just here in the or in the seat, if you will. But you take this lesson home with you, and you consider these questions throughout the week to help sustain you until Sunday. So let's talk about our connection to God. First of all, we must develop a lifestyle of prayer. Everyone say a lifestyle of prayer. Follow me here. Follow me here. Prayer is our primary means of communication. Prayer is our primary means of communication with Jesus. If you don't know by now, that is your first fill in the blank. I've got a lot of eyes looking at me, and I was like, okay, yeah, fill in the blank. As we embrace this opportunity to connect with Jesus, he meets us in response to, to our time of speaking and listening to him. He gave us a model for prayer to use as a starting point. We know we can find that in Matthew chapter number 6, verses 5 through 13, where he's talking about how we shouldn't pray as the hypocrites. And then he gives us the Lord prayer as a model to follow after. These are different questions that you ought to consider when you read throughout the week this week, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. Prayer is to Christians what textbooks are to scholars. Jet fuel is to airplanes and oxygen is to human beings. Prayer fuels our connection to this loving God we are endeavoring to know more closely. Our goal in prayer is not to learn religious vocabulary or bullet points for a recited prayer. I'm going to repeat that again. Our goal in prayer is not to learn religious vocabulary or bullet points for a recited prayer. We want to develop a lifestyle. We want to develop a lifestyle of prayer where we are constantly in connection with God. Sure hope y'all don't hold me to that same take 13. That's not going to happen. A first step to developing this lifestyle of prayer is to establish a daily time with the Lord. All right? If I was to ask you, when do you pray and you don't give me a time, then I would challenge your prayer life. Okay? I'm going to say that again. If I was to ask you right now, when do you pray, you should give me a time when you pray. 
You should say, Pastor, I pray every morning at 8 a.m. I pray around 9. I pray right after work. I pray whatever the case may be. I really hope everybody prays before you go off on your day. That is my hope and prayer for every believer in here, but I can't force you to live Live, live for the Lord. I, I, I can only teach you and I hope that you apply the principles. But every single person in here, if you don't, please start today. Have a time with God. It has been that way from the beginning. The Bible says that he met Adam at what time? At the cool of the day. Amen. So have a time that you have with the Lord. Prayer is communicating with God, but let's not forget that good communication is a two-way street. We pray with faith. We pray with faith and expect God to communicate back to us. Furthermore, when we consider that prayer is relational, is a relational part of connecting with God, it should not be a time of hurrying and rushing. We should not be hurrying and rushing to move on to the next activity. God desires to speak to us as we spend time with him. Prayer is an exciting journey, and it it is one of the pathways by which we connect with Jesus. It's no wonder James wrote the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. The Bible says it avails much. Everyone ought to say amen. amen. Take time with the Lord. All right? I want to encourage you uh, that when you are taking time with the Lord to pray, take time to listen. If you're going to spill out everything for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, I wonder, would you take 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes just to listen? Take time to listen to the Lord because he does want to speak to you. I'm going to highlight and bring that out even more as we go throughout this lesson. As we move on to spending time daily in God's word because that's a part of our connection to God. Moving on to the second point here, God communicates to us how? Through his word. That's how it communicates through us, through his word. For this reason, we should read the Bible with anticipation of hearing from God. When, when fully nourished by the word, we stand strong in times of temptation. When fully nourished by the word, we stand strong in times of temptation. And we'll find ourselves on a pathway of spiritual growth. We see here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we see this up on the screen, chapter 3, starting at verse number 16, the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God, all scripture. That's from Genesis to Revelation. All of it is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for what? Doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It is important to read your word. The Bible says in the book of James, starting at verse number 1, or excuse me, chapter 1, starting at verse number 21, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to do what? It's able to save your soul. See, skeptics might look at the journey of the Christian believer and wonder, why do we stand so firm on our beliefs? Our answer is that we have clear direction from the Bible. It is the infallible word of God that anchors our beliefs. And on a more personal level, it is his love letter expressing his unfailing, never-ending affection for us. As James wrote, the Bible acts as a mirror to show us who we are. So while reading the Bible, the Bible is also reading us. I'm going to say that one more time. While reading the Bible, the Bible is also reading us. 
Just as we look in the mirror each day to make ourselves presentable, we should look daily at the mirror of God's word to see who we are and who God is calling us to be, making the necessary changes to make ourselves presentable to God. That's why the Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's why it's important to read God's word because when we're reading it, don't think you're just reading it just to check a box. But when you're reading God's word, it's also reading you. Because when you're reading God's word, it is also correcting you and correcting the ways, saying it's either going to confirm or it's going to cause you to change. The, when you read the Bible, it should do the two C's, confirm or correct. All right? It, it's either going to confirm how you're living or it's going to correct how you're living. That is the importance of reading God's word. It's going to bring confirmation in your life, or you're going to read it to bring understanding that I need to correct some things in my life. So the Bible acts as a mirror in that case. And it's important to have God's word in your heart that you might not sin against the Lord. If you find yourself in sin, doing things repeatedly that you want to change, well, I would challenge your prayer. And I will also challenge your reading of God's word. So it's important as we move on to the, the next point here of meditating daily on God and his word. The biblical teaching of meditation. The biblical teaching of meditation is not practiced much in our fast-paced society. But its benefits are significant. The people of the Old Testament incorporated meditation daily. Scripture was as close to their hearts as the air they breathe. When we focus on Scripture, when we focus on Scripture, we focus on God himself. Why? Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, it was God. So when you're focusing on Scripture, you are focusing on God himself. The end result is a nearness. The end result is a nearness to God and a reprieve, okay, from this chaotic and fast-paced society. So it is important that we take time to meditate on God's word. So the Bible says in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse number 8, it's up here on, on the screen here. The scripture uh, lets us know that this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein, how often? Day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good. The only time the word success is in the Bible is right here. You're going to have good success. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, chapter number 1, starting at verse number 1, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate, how often? Day and night. And he shall be like a tree. How can you be like a tree? You must meditate on God's word. How often should you meditate on God's word? Day and night. So if you want to be planted in this thing, you must meditate on God's word. By the rivers of the water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, it shall prosper. So how do we go about meditating? Well, Scripture doesn't give us a, a set formula on how, when, or where it should be done. But we understand it is the practice of thinking about God and his word. Practical ways to meditate include taking time to think. 
And that's the first thing. Practical ways to meditate are taking time to think about a passage of Scripture and reflecting on its meaning. So you take time to think about a passage of Scripture and you reflect on its meaning. Keep a journal and make notes about what you feel. Keep a journal, make notes about what you feel, whatever God is impressing on your mind and your heart. Reading, studying, memorizing, and internalizing his word empowers us in our connection. It empowers us in our connection with him because we can better understand who he is, what pleases him, and how we can live a life strong in our faith. I've said this once, I will say it again. Do not say that the Lord is not speaking to you, but you never open up your word. Do not tell me, don't come up to me and say, Pastor, I cannot hear God's voice. I cannot hear him talking to me. I don't know what he's saying. I'm in a dark season. I would say your Bible's probably in a dark area. Uh Because if you're constantly opening up your Bible and reading your word, God's always talking to you. He's talking to you right there from that word. And if you don't have a consistent prayer life, if you don't have a consistent time with the Lord in, in, in prayer and in studying of his word, then you don't have a consistent lifestyle, period, with the Lord. But if we want to enhance those things to connect ourselves with God, I'm telling you, the best way to connect with God is connect with his word and time in prayer. So let's move on to the last point here, cultivating a commitment to worship. Our relationship with God is characterized by devotion or worship. It's devotion or worship to him. Every part of our lives should reflect how he has transformed us and should give honor to him. I'm going to read that sentence again. Every part of our lives should reflect how he has transformed us and should give honor to him. We demonstrate this worship in our words to him, in our decisions, and in our conduct. We find this in the book of Ephesians starting at chapter number, excuse me, chapter 4 starting at verse number 21. The scripture says, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the formal conversations, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on, everyone say, the new man. You put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So now if we go to Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse number 15, it says, see then, that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Why? Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I was telling someone the other day, when God changes you, he changes you. I'm talking about when you make a decision to live your life for the Lord, if you're in drugs, you come out of drugs. I'm talking about you come out of every drug, you don't smoke a cigar, you don't smoke a cigarette, you don't even like the taste or smell of it because God is able to bring you completely out of it. When God brings you out of alcoholism, he brings you completely out of it. I don't want to taste it. I don't want to go to a restaurant and, and even order a bottle of wine. 
I don't even want to go to a, a restaurant or, or, or a party that our, that our co-workers are having, that our job is having, and if they have wine, I don't even want it at all. The only time I want to taste wine is if I'm honoring the body of Christ. That's it. But when you come out, when God fully brings you out, he brings you out. We need to stop with this foolishness and stop with this, what the world is trying to say and other denominations or churches try to do as if God does things halfway. We don't serve a halfway God. We don't serve a halfway God. God does not bring you halfway out and then say, oh, it's okay for you to do those things. No, my God is able to exceed the abundance of everything that we ask or even think. So we need to believe that if we want to be delivered by God, God can completely deliver you. Well, maybe I got too excited. Let me go back to my notes. Let's continue on here. The term worship has sometimes been relegated to a style of music or a portion of a church service where individuals express their love for God. While these things are good, Scripture calls for the growing Christian to a more robust commitment to worship. In intentional act of honoring God in all of our words, all of our thoughts, all of our conduct. So when we talk about worship, I'm not talking about the little 25, 30 minutes when we're clapping our hands and lifting our hands. No, worship is a lifestyle, my friend. Worship is a lifestyle. And if you want to draw people to the Lord, it's a changed life. When people see a changed life in you, it will draw people to him. And my lifestyle does not change once I leave these four walls. But my lifestyle intensifies even more when I leave these four walls. Amen? So Paul stressed to the church at Ephesus the need to realign their lives with God who has saved them. He used the metaphor of taking off an old garment and putting on a new one to help the new Christian visualize leaving behind his old life and beginning a new one. We too are to honor God, walk in the Spirit. Important. We are to honor God, walk in the spirit, and protect the gift of his presence. And protect the gift of his presence in our lives. How? With worship. That's how. Our meditation as followers of Jesus is a process to align our thoughts, our emotions, and will with God as expressed through his word. It is time for his spirit to speak to us, shape us, and fill our minds with richness. How? Of his words. How else? His ways. Fill us with richness of his words and his ways. As you can see, some closing questions for you to consider throughout the week, but these are things of how you draw closer and your connection to God. Why? Because these are all kingdom principles that if you don't apply these principles, my challenge for you is to start these principles today. I want you to lay your phones, devices, and everything to the side. I want you to lift your hands toward heaven, and I want you to ask the Lord to speak to you right now that you may have a closer walk with him, that you may have a connection with to him. Come on, speak to him. Talk to him right now. Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, help us, Lord God. Help us, Lord, to cultivate a commitment to worship. Help me, O oh God, to meditate daily on you and on your word. Help me, Lord, to spend time with you in your word. Help me, Lord, to spend time with you 
in prayer that, Lord, if I don't get these kingdom principles down, help me, Lord, to make a shift right now in my spirit that these kingdom principles will be applied in my every day life. Lord, I know I can do better in reading my word. I know I can do better in prayer time with you. I know I can do better in meditating on your word and meditating with you. I know I can do better, Lord, in my lifestyle of worship. Help me, Lord, if I'm serious about living for you, well, God, I want to make a serious commitment right now. Come on, I can't speak for you. Come on, come on, call upon him. Talk to him. Let him know. Let him know. He knows where you are. He knows your faults. He knows your weaknesses. He knows where you are. Come on, talk to him because he's the only one that can strengthen you. In the name of Jesus Christ, 